Welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast, where we discuss the nature and appreciation of transformations. I am your host, Edwin Adams, and today, fitness influencer and entrepreneur, Michael Zukowski. Yeah, and thanks for, for taking a few minutes out of your day to, to talk about your story. You know, this podcast is, is founded on the nature and appreciation of, of transformations, in particular, those, those principles that allow people to do exactly that. And actually, your name came up in conversation with a friend of mine who's a follower of yours. And he said, man, you need to find out what this kid's story is, because it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. So uh, I reached out and you said yes. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. And thank you for clearly having influence out there in the world that is captivating people. So Michael, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and and kind of go back to the beginning of your your story and how you decided to do something different than anybody else was doing. Thank you so much, and I appreciate having the opportunity to be here. Well, a lot of it it's difficult to have a specific starting point because it isn't really working out with just like a byproduct of a mindset shift and like kind of like acting beyond your like instincts you know deciding like because discipline is just acting outside of your instincts and deciding what you want to do uh so i'd say it really happened because when i was younger i was like a skinny guy and growing up this wasn't really an issue but as i got older everybody was like hitting puberty and stuff and I felt like I didn't really get a lot of respect among my peers because I was, I looked like a little kid. Like I was intellectually, I was like, you know, and, you know, grown up and stuff like everybody else, but I looked like a little kid among like high schoolers and I really didn't like that. And then there was a very specific like turning point where I played volleyball from, uh, I played from seventh grade to uh, senior year and I was, I was like, I wasn't by far the best, but my growth in how fast I was getting better was like way, I was like getting good really fast. And so I, I changed teams. So I, I went on this one team and then I started on the bench and then became the best on that team by the end of the season. Then I changed to this different team the next year. And what happened was politics started to occur and an excuse that the coach was using, and I, I would play really good outside of my practices and stuff, but in my practices, a combination of me not being well, like synced up with all the players and me being benched unless I was absolutely necessary to play gave me, a, like, I wasn't very respected on the team and people treated me like I was bad. And so I didn't really, even when I went to practice, I barely touched the ball. No one really treated me seriously. Whereas outside of practice, I would be playing, you know, top two on the team. So in terms of level. So this really upset me. And I didn't want to have the coach be able to decide whether or not I'm good because I believe that I should be able to play. And so that's when I really went super hard into lifting. And then, I mean, it all just kind of happened from there, I'd say. But that that was the very specific shifting point because – my dad got a home gym in our basement when I was in seventh grade or by the way, this was a uh, sophomore year, but when I, when I was like 14, 14, 15, but in seventh grade, 
my dad got a home gym and he started working out. He had, he had to stop because he has like a kidney issue and can't eat a lot of protein, but he really wanted me to get into it. And he would actually offer to pay me money to go to the gym. He'd give me like 10 bucks a week and I still didn't go. But when that happened, I, that like flipped the switch and I got really pissed off and just kind of went, went from there. Yeah. So I hear two things coming out in your story that is kind of the, the beginning of the transformation. Number, number one is an outside influence. How people were treating you was not how you thought you should be treated. Number one, number two, it flipped a switch that made you decide that a transformation either, either in mind or body and, or both, I think they're, they're both linked, right. Um, Mm -hmm. Needed to occur. So, so the flip was switched you didn't like how you were being treated and then you executed on, on a plan and a pathway. You made a, a, a courageous decision to be disciplined because you brought up that word discipline. So I'd love to dive into those, those three things. Um, what, do you think that is a common theme among young men, your age is that there is a tremendous outside influence that either makes you a victim or a victor to, to the circumstance that you're in. Is that, is that a fair statement? Yes. And I would There's, argue that more mm-hmm. people are victims than victors. Why are you different? I'd say because I, I feel as if when, when you start like life or whatever living, the people around you sort of decide what your place is, like what you are, who you are and things like that. And then if if it doesn't get bad enough you just kind of accept that and that's who you are that's your life if it gets too bad then that's when you decide that you know what i don't like this i'm going to choose what i am who i am all these things and then once you realize that you can choose where you are instead of wanting initially you wanted to be here but once you get there you're like oh i can choose it so i might as well put myself up here so why, why isn't that happening more often? What, why are we failing as young, as, as young men in particular, failing to recognize our power of choice? I think, that, I, th- I think that can solve a lot of suffering that I see in your generation and, and even early, uh, later generations to you, more early to me. It all stems from that experience that you talk about, that, that formative experience as a young man where you're peer group decided your position Mm -hmm. um how do we get that message out earlier that you have a choice way before that i mean there there definitely is a way to get that message out but the biggest the best way to achieve this is to have some form of like difficulty in your life and so especially in the gym community a lot of people complain or say like oh my girlfriend dumped me and that's when i started lifting weights i mean that that's become the most popular one lately that popular in terms of that occurs to the most people but i'd say it, it it's less of a message you spread and it's more something your parents should do where they should purposefully put you in difficult situations to cause you uh cause those changes to occur in you so i think it's really a failure of just having parents it it, it isn't a failure in terms of your parents are bad they're just unaware of how to properly sure. Parents, yeah, so totally recognize I, that. You I'd say that's very the most loving, important. very loving parents, but they they fail to empower you 
um, mm-hmm. to, to make those choices through a difficult situation. I know, I know even as a parent myself, I wanted to, to prevent my son from going through the hardships I went through, right? Let, let mm-hmm. me make it easier on you, son. And that was probably the wrong way to do some of those things. Let him, let him go learn the hard way. The, the school my parents were similar. Yeah. So, so I get that. I get that. That's a, that is a generation above you that had the responsibility to give that down downstream, if you will. So that's interesting. So when you look back, was that the only hardship, uh, you, you know, that pivotal moment when you made the decision, you were angry, you were going to do something different. Have there been subsequent intentional times where you put yourself in difficult situations in order to to double your growth or 10x your growth. I'm curious what your how you position yourself in hardships now versus after that. Oh yes. Oh, after that. Yes, totally. I screw myself over all the time because that gives me a guarantee that I'll get myself out of it. So now, yes, but back then I really wouldn't say so. I, I had a very comfortable like childhood. So that if it wasn't for that, I don't know. I'd be kind of screwed, honestly. That yeah, moment. very interesting. So, in, in recognizing the switch that flipped within you, Michael, um, did was the flipping of the switch an immediate change in your trajectory, or or was there kind of this onboarding into a new way of living, a new way of thinking? You started reading more. You found a mentor. I mean, what happened after the flip switch that continued your trajectory of growth? Well, I believe that the switch, it wasn't like a switch flipped. It was, there was a general buildup of me seeing, okay, this isn't good. This isn't good. You know, oh, this is bad. This is bad. This isn't how I want it to be. And then that just made me decide, you know what? I'm going to decide what I do. I'm going to decide who I am. So I mean, after that, I had many mentors and I learned to seek out uh, specific mentors in things that I want to learn. I feel as if, especially now I'm getting better with this because I used to have a very, um, I I used to have this mentality where I'll learn everything on my own. I don't need anybody to help me, but it is very smart to take advantage of others around you that are better than you at specific things you want to improve in. Oh, cool. Yeah. One of my mentors told me nobody ever makes it to the top by themselves. There's, Mm -hmm. there's always um, someone else that, that helped create that, that success. So where do you look um, for knowledge information? Number one right now in, in growth and personal development, and who do you look at uh, to be personified examples of growth and development success? I'd say any knowledge or information I want, you have it all accessible to you for free through the internet. So I'd say the internet and just recently in the last two months, I've been reading lots of books. I read 90 minutes a day. So reading books and the internet, I'd say, is where I get almost all my information. And then just like intuitively observing the world around you and noticing patterns and seeing how things work. Uh, and how specific, you know, learning from other people's mistakes, you could say. Uh, yeah, cool. I wouldn't say I have any one particular person I idolize at the moment. I used to idolize when I was younger, uh, this guy, I don't know if you know him, David Laid. Yeah. He was really skinny and lifted weights. And I used to idolize him a lot. But 
nowadays, I wouldn't say I, I, I have a specific idol. I more so idolize people for their certain traits that I would like to have in myself. So I, I'm inspired by different people for very specific things about them. Nice, nice. Uh, I would say that's an excellent strategy. So, so Michael, when you sit down and think about the future you and the legacy that you want to become um, to leave the next generation as a as an entrepreneur, as a social media influencer, as an athlete, how do you shape that image for for yourself? Are are you borrowing pieces from all of these people that this is the kind of person I want to be? Um, this is this is how I want to be living. This is how I want to be dressing, lifting, interacting. Um, how do you shape the image that holds you? I guess, discipline to your goal when the going gets tough that you, you lean on the vision. Is that what you lean on? Maybe. Maybe let's start there. Not necessarily my, my, I kind of, I'm not specifically very disciplined because I need this goal, but beyond money, money, I am very disciplined because money is freedom. And I, I want to be able to control. I don't want money to be something that controls me or my life, but Honestly, how, how I see it is they're really like, what else am I going to do? Once you, once you understand what value other activities bring, like stuff like watching TV, when you understand what it is, like, it's not, you're, you're basically tricking your brain's like reward system to give you like this false, like dopamine. So once you really understand most uh, activities that are alternatives to being disciplined and these things you kind of realize they're all pointless. Like, what else am I going to do? Oh, I might as well, you know, lift weights. Oh, I could have some more money. Okay, I'll read some books. That's that's sort of how I've recently been looking at these things. Nice. So um, when it comes to things that you've had to give up in order to go up um, in, in who you are today, what are some things and and even people that you've had to leave behind because they were no longer in alignment with where you were going. You, you didn't want any more anchors. You had to let them go. Hmm. I'd say honestly, my mom uh, and like my parents and loved ones, because I used to be, I feel as if everybody, when they're younger, they have this image of if my parents say this, this is the truth. They know more than me. And I mean, there's always, you're always told when you're younger, oh, you have to be careful of not being that teenager that is reckless and thinks they're better than everyone and ignores everyone. And so I used to really lean on that side and I used to really give every single person attention and try to understand what they're saying and give it so much value. And then I realized that like, this was especially difficult with people in my family, like my mom, my dad, and stuff like that. I realized that not everything they say is something I have to religiously believe because I'm not looking to be a mirror image of them. They are, they are them, but they aren't 100% necessarily who I am looking to be. Incredible. So, Michael, um, you are doing some really cool things from an entrepreneurial perspective. Uh, tell me about that transition from, from the doer to now the entrepreneur. Hmm. In what, in what sense, the doer to the entrepreneur? Yeah, so most people do and then uh, maybe do not translate that into an opportunity to create wealth from it. 
to use your giftedness uh, and your talents in service to others for an exchange of that energy or or money. You've decided to do that as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? You're you're no longer a, a transformational artist and athlete. You you are now turning that into a business model. I'm curious how you made that that switch flip. That's very interesting because how we were talking about the whole fitness thing, the whole fitness transformation, like a lot of that has already occurred. But in terms of entrepreneurship, I'm just at the beginning of that. I'm still learning so much. I started, I started being interested by in that when I was when I turned 18, because what I did was I had random people saying, Hey, I want to donate you money, I want to donate you money. And so I was like, huh, cool. And then I put my PayPal in my bio. And people would send me money just randomly. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when I turned 18, I could actually take that money into my bank account or or like use it and spend it. And so that was when I made my first money on the internet. And I made my first money not from, you know, working at McDonald's. And then I realized like, whoa, I am capable of making money. And that really started that. And then I started, when I turned 18, I also was able to sign up for Instagram's reels bonuses where you get paid for your views. And, and so that was like, Whoa, I'm capable of making money. I think I made my first month, like 600 bucks. And for me, that was like, Oh my God, that's That's amazing. (laughs) Just, you know, wow. I made $600 this month. And then I did, I did so many, I don't talk about these things. Uh, I'm only recently talking about more like not fitness things, more so about my personality on my platforms, but I didn't really talk about this. I I did a bunch of these like side hustle type businesses after that. So I flipped stuff from Facebook marketplace and sold it on eBay. I, I went to like Goodwill and stuff and bought stuff and then sold it on eBay. I did a lot of like eBay stuff. I, I went to farmers markets and stuff, flip it on eBay. I sold programs on my Instagram page. I, I'm trying to think. I made a bunch of these like drop shipping websites. So I made, I'd find like, uh, I think I made like five of them. I found like these, these, these random products on Alibaba or AliExpress. And I took those pictures and I made like a logo for it. And there's this, and I made like a free website for it. And then, cause I, I didn't know anything about business. So I thought this was like a genius idea, which it was, it was a crap idea, but you know, you learn, but so I would take like watches, let's say, and I made this brand out of it. And then I like Photoshopped the watches. So, cause the website, if you want the free version, you could only have one panel, one image. So I would take all the pictures of the watches of every color and I put it together into this like collage. And I like watermarked it with that logo that I got because there are websites where you can get a free logo, but it's trademarked and you're not allowed to use it unless you pay them. So I'd have it make a free logo for me, see what I like. And then I made like a very similar one of my own. And then I put that on all the pictures and brilliant. brilliant. Wow. I didn't sell anything. I, I, I just lost a bunch of time, but it was very <laughs> valuable uh, in terms of yeah, what learning a great about experience. Business. Yeah. I did. I, mean... e- I did eBay drop shipping. Uh, I, I did a bunch of these random stuff, just random stuff. Cause yeah, I had, but... I was clueless in terms of how to make money. Well, what better way to learn than to do, right? I, I mean, Oh, for sure. You, you could have certainly thought your way into a business model, but you probably learned a lot quicker on what works and what doesn't work by being in the trenches 
figuring it out and failing, learning and and growing mm-hmm. through that. That's that's amazing. That's a that's a unique um a unique skill set, uh, my friend. I hope you keep parlaying that into the next opportunity. That that's grit, that's tenacity, that's um that's courage to do to do things um with the hope of learning something, a better way of doing something. And and maybe one day you're gonna hit the 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 magic combination of all those variables and look out you've got your freedom that you've wanted right mm-hmm. i mean you can't learn to drive in a parked car so oh well <laughs> that is going to be the title of this episode <laughs> you can't learn to drive that is brilliant all right all right that is awesome uh the quote of the day for sure michael so so look what's next um i i know you want to help other people do what you've done right so or did i hear you were starting a coaching program yes Tell me i'm about in the that. very i'm in the very beginning stages of that actually because people don't so when i when i made my instagram page i went about it as like an influencer so an influencer is basically a marketer who markets other people's products not a entrepreneurial way to go about it and the best way to grow on instagram is to be consistent and when i played volleyball i played every single day i actually i i extremely overtrained by the way uh but i played every single day and when i would go to the gym it was 40 minutes like after school before practice and it was rushed and i didn't want to record and like ruin it so what i would do is i would basically not post anything whatsoever lifting related and just post a bunch of shirtless pictures because that's a genius obviously and so I acquired a very non-fitness demographic. So that was actually something that I was really, when I, cause I started the whole coaching business thing, I'd say two weeks ago, but only now am I actually beginning to coach people. Uh, whereas for the majority of the time, I was focusing on changing my demographic to the specific type of person that would actually require online coaching. And I actually, the last two weeks, I lost my following only now started going back up again for the last two weeks. It's been flatlined and I've been losing hundreds and hundreds of followers a day, but gaining back people that are more so in my demographic and more so uh, interested in what I want to be putting out. So I've been really focusing on posting more lifting type stuff and also demonstrating my value as a coach because I feel as if earlier I just posted a bunch of shirtless pictures and I also didn't include too much about me as a person. So people just thought I was like some dumb pretty boy who was just an exception, just happened to look good. Whereas I, I, I didn't look at it from that angle. And I just like, I know me. And so everybody knows me, which isn't really the case. And so I've been really focused on rebranding myself as actually who I am and not, and making sure that it goes through so people know me and not whatever was there earlier. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you said the word just, just beautifully. That's a rebranding, right? Uh, the, the perspective that you created from your posting before, you now have a different purpose for the tool of social media. You need it mm-hmm. to create a tribe that is interested in the service that you offer, not the image that you offer, right? So I think that's yeah. a that's a learning curve anybody in the social media space, in the online coaching space, has to go through that understanding of attracting the clients that you're wanting to serve because you can't help everybody, right, Michael? 
you're you're trying to attract a certain type of person to your profile so that they are then interested in in uh, being served as a coach by you so that's fascinating what's been the hardest lesson in that transition from the the more social media model and image aspect to now I'm wanting to coach and help people what's been the biggest hurdle for you to overcome probably getting in front of a camera because I actually had a very big mental block when I first started social media and I was I, I became very comfortable with Instagram but I wasn't really very comfortable in terms of TikTok and YouTube and I actually made many 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 YouTube videos that I never put out because I had this idea that I have to make this perfect video. And so I, I had many clips for a YouTube video and I'd maybe edit it a little, but I never posted it. And so just not overthinking it and accepting that, you know what, I might suck at this. It is what it is. That was a very, very difficult thing to do. Yeah, But now it's amazing. so much easier. I can just get in front of a camera. I have this tripod right here. Literally all my videos, I just sit here and just talk about stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. I I hear that a lot from young entrepreneurs is what they thought needed to be 99, 100% perfect. They're satisfied now with 70%. Let me get the message out there because that's more important than how I perceive the perfection aspect of the message. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's awesome. So Michael, um, your trajectory of growth is clearly going to continue. I know there are going to be a lot of people asking you questions about how you got to where you are. What's one piece of advice? If there was a a, a young guy listening to this podcast episode who was kind of where you were way back when, where change needed to happen, I may not have enough courage to do it on my own. I'm waiting to hear Michael speak into me. What would you tell that that person waiting to hear your message? Well, in terms of actual training or mindset? Uh, Any and all. Okay. I definitely say prioritize recovery, prioritize sleeping and eating. If you're a young kid, don't track calories. Just eat as many as is possible. This This is something I still do. I just eat as much as I can. And if I can do more, I eat more sleep nine hours if you do those two things you could be training absolutely like garbage but you'll still be making loads of progress another thing is prioritizing your progression so a lot of people will go to the gym and they'll do a bunch of volume and they think that if they get like a pump or if they're sore that's helping them but the only thing that is a good benchmark of your progress is obviously you're like how you look in the mirror but also just are you lifting more weight or more reps every time and so if you're progressing there really isn't much else that needs to be done and then from a mindset perspective to have the the courage to to actually flip the switch be disciplined and, and persevere through the hard the hard parts how would you prepare someone for that well i'd say just kind of be okay with sucking. That's something I do because I'll often have, uh, not often, but it's not uncommon for me to have a rut where I stopped training or for I got sick for two weeks and didn't go to the gym. And so going back into the gym kind of sucks because you're weaker than you were before. It's not enjoyable. But what I do is I, I'll go and just half-ass my workout 
And then the next time I go, I just try to progress, like progressive overload. I literally just try to do, even though I could do so much more, I just try to do just one extra rep, just a little heavier weight and match the reps. Don't push yourself extremely hard. Just be better than last time. And that's a great way to go about really anything that you're not very disciplined about. Instead of relying on motivation and just going full force for a week and then stopping, what's better is just working in increments and doing, keeping your momentum. So, okay, I did, I ate, let's say, let's say I, I had like a phase where I started eating like a girl. That's very common for me. So let's say for a week I ate like a girl and I don't really like, I don't get as hungry as much. I don't feel like eating. So, okay, I wake up, I'll eat just a little bit more than yesterday. And then the next day, just a little bit more. And if you work, you keep that momentum going, it's a lot easier and more manageable. Uh, great advice. So Michael, if people want to continue to follow your trajectory of, of growth, transformation, entrepreneurship, coaching, how can they best find you? In terms of contacting me? Uh, contacting yeah. or watching your journey. Yeah. Well, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube are the, the platforms I use. And then I answer most of my Instagram DMs, unless it's like something weird, I'll, I'll answer it. If it's a genuine question, I'll almost always answer. And I have a business email that doesn't get much emails. So that's a very good way to contact me. And oh, I also have a Snapchat. But if you contact me on Snapchat, I'm not going to answer it. I hate Snapchat. I think it's a garbage. I only post there because people are on there that like to see what I post. But I never open anything on Snapchat. I don't look at any stories. So, yeah. All right. Good to know. And I'll make sure all that's in the show notes for people. Well, Michael, look, I appreciate your time today. What a what a great story. And what uh, I know there are a lot more chapters yet to be written on your journey. So this is going to be exciting to watch. Really appreciate you, your time and your influence. You're certainly one of those young, captivating leaders that is destined for success in this world. This is going to be a great ride. Thank you. I'm glad to hear it. I enjoyed being on the podcast. Mm -hmm.